Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Kyle Brownlee. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. want to welcome everyone to today. So good to see you guys and be in God's house together. Also want to take a moment as I do every week and look into the camera and welcome all those joining us online, including all the men and women in our correctional ministry throughout our country, but also including all those in the country of Belize and the Belize Central Prison. And we want you guys to know you're not a project to us. We consider you a part of our church. And so come on, Defiance. Have me welcome my church family today. Come on, let them know. So good. Well, today we are in our fourth and our final week of this series that we've been doing called Heart and Soul. And really kind of the big idea behind this series is that we would take a few weeks and talk about and and even deal with some things that, that aren't necessarily happening around us but they're happening in us that maybe can, can, can get overlooked or, or maybe they're just not the easiest to deal with. And, and our theme scripture for this entire series has been based off of this prayer that, that David prays that, that ultimately changed his life and his relationship with God forever. Let's take a look at it. Psalms 139 verses 23 and 24. And, And David prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart, the core of of who I am, God. Test me and and know my anxious thoughts, those those places of my soul that are struggling, my thoughts and my emotions and and my feelings. And And then God, point out anything in me that offends you. Point out anything in me that that doesn't belong, God, or shouldn't be there. And then lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now remember when, when David wrote this psalm, when he, when he prayed this prayer, man, he was facing a lot of difficulty in his life. People were attacking him. They were falsely accusing him. And he, he was facing a lot of adversity. Yet in the midst of it all, he has the awareness to realize that not everything he was going through was happening to him from the outside in. How many of us know we would love to blame all of our problems on everyone and everything uh, else around us, but yet David had the awareness to realize that some of the struggles that he was going through were happening from the, from the inside out. That there's some, some things in his heart and his soul that, that didn't belong, that shouldn't be there. And he's praying and he's asking God, God, help me deal with these things. David is is praying this bold, courageous prayer, asking God to help him deal with some things that nobody else sees. Things that he actually could kind of hide. He could kind of cover up. He could kind of brush them underneath the rug. He doesn't have to deal with these things. And yet he has the courage and the boldness to pray this prayer. Search me, oh God. God, know my heart. He, he opens his heart to heaven. He says, God, do a work on, on the inside of, of who I am. Have you ever, have you ever had to do something you, you really didn't want to do, but you knew you needed to do it? Anybody? Maybe you had to go through, a, a, get a checkup, a medical checkup. Uh, I hear like at age 45 or 46, fellas, there's a checkup we have to go to. And I don't know if I want, I'm not, I don't want to do it. And I don't know if I am going to do it. And you can tell me I need to, but I don't know if I have the courage or the boldness to do it. Or maybe there was a surgery you had to, to, to get done and you really did not want to to have the surgery, but you, you knew you needed it. You knew that it was, it was what was best. This, in essence, is what David is praying in this psalm. God, God, God do, do a sur- some surgery on my heart. Cut some things out of my, my soul that, that doesn't belong. How many of us know this is not an easy prayer to pray? This is not a comfortable prayer to pray. It's a very challenging prayer to pray. But how many of us know that that challenge brings change? That, that if we're never challenged, 
We're never going to be changed. And so he's, he's willing to go to that place where, where God challenged me. God, I'm willing to get uncomfortable if it means I can get closer to you. God, I'm willing to, to get uncomfortable if it means ripping some things out of my life that don't belong there. And that's what this series is all about. And somebody say, bring it. Okay, I wasn't going to, but since you're asking for it today, I'll, guess I'll go ahead. I was going to close up shop right there, but... Let's keep going. The title of the message today is The Seduced Soul. The Seduced Soul. Now, the word seduce uh, literally means to be led astray by persuasion or false promises. To to be led astray, to to get off track, to to be led off the right path, to, 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 to lose our way by persuasion or false promises. Now, one of the many reasons why I believe this is so important for us to talk about today is because not only can our souls be seduced and led astray away from God by by things that can never give us what we're looking for, because how many of us know sin over promises and under delivers every single time? We're all experts. Come on. Where are my experts at? We're all experts on this. I kept trying this thing. I kept trying that thing, but it never gave me what I was looking for. But, but also, I think this is extremely important for us to talk about because the truth is that many of us can be seduced into settling for and even pursuing things that can be dangerous and even deadly to us. Oh, pastor, that that's pretty, sounds pretty extreme. Well, I've seen sin do some pretty extreme things to people's lives, some pretty extreme things to, uh, to marriages and, and people's hearts. And how many know sin's not something to play with? Sin will, sin, sin, will, sin will take you places you don't want to go and keep you there longer than you want to stay. And this is not something we can play around with. Obedience is a big deal. Obedience to, to God is a big deal. And I was thinking about this, just kind of this topic and, and, and really how we can be led astray and away from God by things that not only won't give us what we're looking for, but are dangerous and even deadly. And I was reminded of a story that I read several years ago uh, of this woman who was mauled to death by her pet tiger. Now, obviously, that's a, a horrific event. It's tragic it's hard to even really imagine um, that scenario, but, but at the same time, may, maybe you're a little bit like me, and upon hearing about this story, you might think to yourself like I did, why in the world would anyone have a tiger as a pet? Like, like last time I checked, a tiger will always be a tiger. A tiger is a meat eater. A, a tiger hunts down its prey in the wild and eats them while they're still alive. Like a tiger is not the best pet to have. But as the article went on to say, it, it expressed how this woman, when I first met this tiger, it was actually a cute, cuddly, uh, seemingly harmless little cub and that she loved to to have this cub around cub around they they played together they they she held the cub and 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 she formed this this bond with this this fluffy furry cute little thing and it was all good until one day this cute fuzzy cuddly little cub morphed into what it actually was and showed its true colors and no longer was it harmless and cute and cuddly it was a savage killer and I thought about man isn't it interesting how this woman was seduced into loving something that was dangerous and ultimately became deadly to her can, can I tell us that it's not that much different with some of the things that we pursue and even allow into our lives? And today I, I want to talk to us about the struggle of how our souls can be seduced and led astray by things that might seem harmless at first, but eventually can become dangerous and even deadly over time. Now, the truth is we, we can all struggle with getting our priorities out of order and allowing created things to become more important than the creator himself. 
In fact, one of my favorite hymns of all time is the hymn titled, Come Thou Fount. It's probably my, my, my favorite hymn of all time. And there's, one, there's this one line in this hymn that just, man, it just literally resonates with my soul. And I think all of us can, can relate to it. It says this, it says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to, to leave the God I love. In other words, uh, there's just something in us, something in our souls that can be seduced and led astray by the false promises of things that can never give us what we're looking for and even worse, can be dangerous or deadly to our lives. And I love how, how James really addresses this reality and this topic in the book of James. And in fact, in chapter one, the whole book of James starts out with this statement, consider it pure joy, my brothers and my sisters, when you face trials and hardships of many kinds, right? Count it all joy. And at first, how I many? this seems like a, a ridiculous statement, doesn't it? Like this, count it all joy when I go through hardships. Count it all joy when life does not go the way I want it. Count it all joy when, when I'm going through adversity. Count it all joy when people talk about me and they say things that aren't even true. Count that all joy, James. Is that what you're telling me? Count those things as, as all joy. But what he's doing is he's trying to help believers and followers of Jesus have the right perspective when they go through hardship. In other words, he's challenging Christians and believers when you go through adversity, don't start pointing the finger at everything else. Realize, man, there's something going on inside of you. And he says, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds, not because they're enjoyable, not because they're comfortable, but because of what they can produce in us if we'll let it. They can produce a perseverance. They can produce an endurance. They can produce a strength in our soul. They can produce a faith on the inside of us. And when we, when we get on the other side of them, man, there is a faith and a strength that we didn't have before we went through that trial. I don't know about you, but I've been through some tanks. Anybody else? And man, in those things, if we'll allow the Holy Spirit and God to teach us some, some stuff, our souls can be strengthened. In other words, let me say it like this. The things that we maybe struggle with today, we still shouldn't be struggling with a year from now. Right? I, five years from now, I still shouldn't have that struggle in the sense because I've allowed that, that problem and that heart. I've counted it all joy and I've allowed that thing to produce in me something, this strength and this perseverance and this endurance to go through it. And I'm stronger on the other side of it, right? And he goes on to say, don't, don't point your finger at everybody else when you're tempted or when you find yourself in a hard spot. Don't even start blaming God for, for when you're tempted because God doesn't tempt people. And then he says this in James chapter one, verse 14. That was just a setup to my verse. Verse 14 says this. He says, James goes, instead, don't, don't blame everything and everyone else around you. Don't blame God when you're tempted. Instead, why, why are you tempted? Why are you seduced? Why are you led astray? And it, 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 is, it is each person's own desires and thoughts that drag them into evil and lure them away into darkness. That there's something in us that is, Prone to wonder, Lord, I, I feel it. Prone to, to leave the God I, I love. And that word lure in the Greek literally means to be hooked by the bait. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and tell him, don't take the bait. Come on, tell him, don't take the bait. And so let me just, let me give us three ways real quickly of how our soul can be seduced and led astray because I wanna bring awareness to us today. And so the first way that our soul can be led astray and seduced is, is first one is that our soul is drawn to idolatry. Our soul is drawn to idolatry. Now, idolatry is the worship of anything other than God. The word worship just means love expressed, that I would express my love and love other things more than I love God. Now, there's a part of us that all lo we love God. We're at church today or we're watching online and we're worshiping God today. But, but how many of us know when we walk out these doors, our souls can be drawn to other things? 
Come on, help me preach today. When you walk out, am I the only one that when I walk out these doors, my soul can be drawn to other things? Y'all leave me hanging up here like, no, that's just you, pastor. Only you struggle with that. And I think, I think primarily the, the, um, the one little G God that we can struggle with the most, in my opinion, is the little G God of possessions. We go worship the God of money. We pursue material things. And if you've ever done this, and statistics would say all of us probably have done this in some way, shape, or form, but if we've done this, we might have discovered that it just never seems to be enough. It just never quite does it, right? We, we can think, man, once, once I get this or, or once I get that or once I finally finish school and get my degree or once I finally get this job or once I get this promotion or once I finally move into this house because this house is too small and once I finally get two cars instead of just one car and one, once, once I finally get to this place, I get this uh, uh, you know, uh, amount of money that I make every single year, this salary, once I get there, it's gonna be good, man. It's gonna be all good. And if you've done this, like I have, you get up to that line. And once you get up to the line, it moves. What? This whole time I worked so hard to get up to this line only to get up to it. And now it moved and now it's over there and it just wasn't enough. And now I can start falling trap and think, well, if I could just get there now. And after the line moves two or three times and God's a part of your life, you realize, wait a minute, I'm chasing the wrong thing. And my soul's being drawn to things that will never give me what I'm looking for. And if we don't realize it soon enough, we can spend our entire lives chasing something that's never there. And the longer we chase it, the more dangerous and deadly it can be to us. We can spend all our time chasing this and all of a sudden lose something that's really important to us. We can lose our marriages. We can lose our families. We can lose our purity. We can lose our character. We can lose our integrity in the pursuit of something that will never give us what we're looking for. And we've been led astray and we followed something. We've been persuaded by something that's given us some false promises. And our souls have been seduced. And Jesus said it this way. Take a look. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters. I mean, something is going to be first in your life. Something is going to be first. God is not a participation trophy kind of God, Right? We don't, we don't give trophies that no, something's going to be first in your life. The question is, what will it be? No one can serve two masters. Either he, he, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, notice the word money is capitalized. And the reason is because Jesus is not talking about the money that's in our bank accounts or in our 401ks or investment portfolios. That's not the, the money that he's talking about in this passage of scripture. He, he's talking about the little G God of money. He's talking about the spirit that's on money, that, that draws our souls in, but it's never quite enough. And Jesus is pointing out the fact that there's a struggle going on inside of us that's, that's fighting for our worship. And if we only worship God on Sundays and all of our other little G-gods the rest of the week, we are going to be frustrated and miserable on the inside. There's a scripture that says we'll have a form of godliness, but we'll deny its power. We'll deny its goodness. And so it'll look like we have a godliness, but we won't experience the plans and the purposes and the joy and the peace and the happiness that God has for us. Another way that our soul can be led astray and seduced that I just want to bring awareness to is, is secondly, if you're taking notes, write this down. That is our soul is deceived by pride. Our soul is deceived by pride. Now, now, pride can be a, a tricky thing, and sometimes it can be difficult to see on the surface, but I think there's a couple ways that pride can, can really show itself and wreak havoc in our lives. I, I think one of the ways that pride can, can reveal itself is that we become self, self-sufficient rather than God-dependent. And, and, and so we, we live in such a way that we depend on ourselves more than we depend on 
God. And I, I had a, a mentor several years ago kind of address this uh, area in my life, and I've never forgotten kind of what, what he spoke to me. He, he asked me, he goes, Kyle, how's your prayer life going? Well, just between us, wasn't going very good, right? It was non-existent, and so I just told him, I go, good, <laughs> right? Because you're going to smooth it over. I'm going to make myself look a little bit better than, I, this is my mentor, right? Pastor Gary was his name. Pastor Gary goes, Kyle, how's your prayer life? It's good. I mean, I can pray more. I mean, there's a word. There's always, Pastor Gary, there's always something I could do better. I need to improve, but it's just going all right. And, uh, and he looked at me and goes, Kyle, I just want you to know, how many know uh, when you have a mentor, they, they see through the, the smoke screen you try to, to throw out there. And he says, Kyle, I just want you to know one of the, one of the proudest things that you can do is simply not pray. And I kind of looked at him and he goes, because what you're, you're, you're telling God and what you're basically showing by how you're living your life is that, God, I got this. God, God I can handle this. I don't, I don't need you today in that meeting. I, I don't need you today at school. I don't need you today when I go into this, this situation. God, I got this. I can handle this. And then what happens, if you're anything like me, I fall into the trap. Then all of a sudden I get into that situation and I realize, oh, I don't have it. I, I'm in a jam. God, can you bail me out? God, I need you, right? And I kind of backtrack. And, but I don't always start the day and I'm relying on God. And how many of us know that, that prayer should be our first response, not a last resort? But it really kind of shows kind of where our hearts are at. We can just kind of be self, I got it, God, I, I, can, I can handle it. I think another way pride can reveal itself is uh, by, by saying, no, I got this. I don't want anybody to know what I'm struggling with. I, I don't need to confess. The Bible does say confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. We confess our sins to God to be forgiven, but we confess our sins to one another so that we can shine light on it, bring accountability to us and get healing from it and victory over it, Right. But I don't want anybody, my pride, I don't want anybody else to know what I'm struggling with. I don't want anybody else to know what I'm dealing with. I, I got this. I can handle this on my own. And how many of us know our pride can deceive us? And there's a story in the Bible of Samson comes to my mind, right? This strong man who one of the saddest, you know, scriptures in the entire Bible for me is Samson was, became so used to just having that strength, so used to just just having, being able to do what he wanted to do that he became so self-sufficient instead of God-dependent that one of the saddest scriptures in the entire Bible is that the Spirit of God left Samson and he didn't even know it. God, let us never get to a place in our lives where we, where we become so self-sufficient and self-reliant that your hand has been removed from us and we don't even recognize that you're no longer with us. God, let me never get to that point. I think another way that pride can, can deceive us in, in our lives is, is when we believe that we're not good enough for God. We've done too much. We will never get it right. We just keep making mistake after mistake after mistake. And I should be farther along down the road than I, I currently am. I shouldn't still be struggling with this. I mean, pastor, you just said it earlier. And James thought you shouldn't still be struggling with what you were struggling with a few days ago or a year ago, five years ago. And I'm just not good enough for God. I'm just never going to get it right. And at first, that doesn't seem like, like pride to us. But, but if we really think about what we're saying is that what we've done holds more weight than what Jesus already did on the cross. What I've done has more weight than what Jesus already did. But how many of us know that he died on the cross, his blood covers every sin, every mistake, takes away all of our shame, all of our guilt, gives us a fresh start, allows us to have a new beginning. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to elevate what I've done above what Jesus already did, right? I don't want my pride to get in the way of me just receiving his grace. Receiving his forgiveness. I mean, his grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. No, I need his grace. I'm desperate for his grace. I love John's testimony about Jesus in John chapter 3, verse 30. He simply made this statement. He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Now, it's important how we read that, right? 
What he's saying is I must depend on him more and depend on myself less. I I must stand upon what he's done and what he says more than I stand upon what I've done and even how I feel and what I've said about myself. No, he must increase and I must decrease. Then the third way that our soul can be led astray and seduced that I just want to bring awareness to is is write this down, our soul is deluded by lust. Our, our soul is deluded by lust. Now, now, a lot of times we typically think of sexual lust, but lust simply means our cravings, feelings, and wrong desires. It's chasing pleasure and going after the good time to satisfy the longing in our souls, but the more we do, the less we seem to receive. I mean, King Solomon, the, the, the wisest and the richest man ever to live, made the statement in Ecclesiastes. He said, I denied myself nothing. I let my cravings, I, I let my feelings, I let my wrong desires lead the way. I denied myself nothing. Everything I wanted, I did. Everything I craved, I gave myself those things. I went after everything, and he concluded after doing all of that, it's all meaningless. It didn't give me what I was looking for. In fact, it actually diluted and watered down what used to be sacred. How many of lust will do that? I know we think of sexual lust, so you could, you could use that. How many of sexual lust dilutes, waters down, and perverts the real thing? Something that's sacred, something that's beautiful, something we should cherish, yet my lust has diluted what used to be sacred. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 says... Once we, too, were foolish and disobedient, we were misled, we were, we were led astray, man. we were persuaded and seduced by false promises, and we became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. And so the question, if you're anything like me, is, man, how, how do we make sure that our souls aren't led astray? How do we make sure that I'm, I'm not constantly persuaded and and talked into false promises and keep leaving the path that God has for me. How can I stop myself from wasting all that time chasing mirage after mirage after mirage? How do we keep our souls from, from being seduced by things that will never give us what we're looking for and ultimately can be dangerous or even deadly to our lives? Well, the good news is that's why Jesus came. And I want us to take a look at what John the Baptist said in Luke chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Take a look at it. John the Baptist answered them all because they were, they were saying, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that we're looking for? Are, are you the one that can forgive us? Are you the one that's going to set us free? And John answered them all by saying, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And what will he do? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I want to close this series up by talking to us about the, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Whether you're dealing with what we talked about in week number one, man, I just, I just have this restless soul. Or maybe, maybe like we talked about in week two, you got a heavy heart. Or like last week, we got this battered soul. Or maybe today you can relate to just being led astray and, and following these false promises and things that will never give us what we're looking for. The answer is the Holy Spirit, the, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Now, just so we're on the same page, fire in the Bible is always a representation of purifying purifying something on the inside of us. And Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to fill you. And one of the main things the Holy Spirit is going to do is this purifying work on the inside of you. Now, I want you to, to, to understand that, that this would have been a brand new concept to God's people. Like, like up until this point, there was nothing internal happening on the inside of followers of God. All they had was this external set of rules, the Ten Commandments, right? They just had the commandments to obey. Here's things you should do, and here's things that you shouldn't do. But there was no real motivation and power happening on the inside of them. And Jesus said, man, 
There's a new thing that I'm doing. I'm doing something new in your life. The Holy Spirit will come and live on the inside of those who follow me. And he's going to do a purifying work in you. He's going to give you a new motivation and a new power to the point that you're not made to obey God. You want to. You have the desire to. And then you have the power to actually do it. You have the motivation and the, God wants to give you the spirit to have the motivation and the power to live the way he's called each and every one of us to live. The problem is so many Christians today are still living the Old Testament way. We've received Jesus and we want to know him more, but we've never allowed the work of the Holy Spirit to take place in us. And because of that, man, following Jesus is a struggle. Following Jesus is, is difficult and, and, it, and sometimes we can come to, to church and almost walk out the doors depending on what's going on in our lives. We can almost walk out some weeks and feel worse than when we came because there's nothing going on on the inside. It's just ex external. We're just trying to obey these rules or try to do the right thing, but there's, there's something missing on the inside of us because how many of us know when, you, when we try to follow a bunch of rules on the outside without the power and the motivation on the inside, it creates frustration. I'm just frustrated. I want to be here, but I can't get there. I want to be here, but I'm still stuck here. Can I just tell us there's a better way? Uh, let, me kind of, let, me, let me express it like this. As a husband, I am committed to honoring my wife and being faithful to her. And there's a couple ways that I can approach accomplishing that in my life. I can make myself obey. I can get somebody to follow me around throughout my day to make sure that I never do anything that I'm not supposed to do. And the moment I start to maybe go there, they can step in and they can stop me from making a huge mistake. And every time I get up in the morning, they can say, hey, don't commit adultery on your wife today. And they can follow me around and kind of force me to obey externally. Or another way I could accomplish that is to be so in love with my wife on the inside of who I am that those things don't even cross my mind. How many of us know the second option is a lot better? It's a lot better. And God, it, it, God wants something on the inside of us, not something external. It's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us, which is why Jesus said, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire so that we no longer have these rules on these stone tablets of things we're supposed to do. No, God begins to write his law on the tablets of our hearts. And it becomes the motivation and the desire for our hearts. And then he gives us the power to live it out. What, what we see is he opens our eyes, man, this is the way to live. This is actually going to bring me what I'm looking for. And so, so what do we do? How do we, how do we accomplish this? Well, I think first we got to position ourselves to get to know the person of the Holy Spirit who comes into our lives and he burns up the, all the dross and the, the things in us that don't belong, the things in our hearts and our souls that shouldn't be there. And he makes us a brand new person with a new spirit and new desires. And the peace of God will, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean, I want to be clear, it doesn't mean that we're never going to struggle with sin. It, it does not mean that we're never going to be tempted again, but, but it's nothing like this external approach where it's all about trying to obey these rules. There's a new desire and motivation and power on the inside of us. And so as we close today, let me just give us three prayers that I double dog dare you. <gasps> he did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Three prayers. I double dog dare you to pray. The first prayer that I'm daring you to pray today is number one, is to invite the Holy Spirit to show me. Show me. 
Isn't this what David prayed in Psalm 139? Isn't this what our theme scripture for this entire series has been? Show me, God. Point out anything in me that, that doesn't belong. Search me, oh God. Show me, is there anything that shouldn't be in my heart and in my soul? Because how many of us know we can't change what we can't see? I can't change what I can't see. God, God show me. What's the Holy Spirit showing us today? Is it in our attitudes? Maybe our lust or our idols, our priorities out of order, pride in our hearts. I mean, this is a dangerous prayer to pray. Like I, if you're not ready to pray this prayer, don't pray it. Because when you ask the Holy Spirit to show me areas of my heart and soul that, 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 that the things in there that don't belong, how many know that's a prayer that he's gonna answer? Because he wants the best for his kids. He wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to walk in victory. He wants you to experience the abundant life that he has for you. And so he, if you go show me the areas that keep me from what you have for me, he goes, man, that's a prayer I'm gonna answer every single time. I've been waiting for you. Yeah, you ever, you ever wanted to tell somebody something, but you just didn't feel like you had the open door to speak it to them? And they go, hey, what do you think about this? You go, oh, I was waiting for you to ask. I was waiting for you. To, I was waiting to tell you this. That's why Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verse 8. When he, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin. Conviction is a beautiful thing. It's not a bad thing. Remember, sin simply means to miss the mark. That's what sin is. I just missed the target. I was aiming at the target and I shot the bullet and I missed that sin. It means we're off target. We're missing what we're going for. And so Jesus said, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit into the world to convict, to show us how we're missing the mark in our lives. Does anybody want to hit the mark? Right? To convict the world of guilt in regards to sin and righteousness and judgment, the Holy Spirit will convict us, not condemn us, so that we can see it and then do something about it. The second prayer that I'm, I'm just gonna double dog dare us to pray today. The first one is invite the Holy Spirit to show me. Number two is invite the Holy Spirit to change me. Now that I see it, God, I gotta do something about it. God, I wanna change. And then ask him to help you. Psalms 51, verse 10 and 11, David, David prays this, this prayer. And this is after, Psalm 51 is, is, is a beautiful psalm because David has committed adultery. He's committed murder. And then he's come to a place where he's just kind of justified and rationalized and hardened his heart to those things in his life. And then God sends the prophet Nathan to kind of tell him a story to help show him, man, you've got some things in your heart and soul that we have to deal with. I love you. I mean, that's the grace of God. I love you too much to keep you, keep letting you live that way. We have to deal with some of those things. And God shows him his sin. He's convicted of it. And then he, he, he prays this prayer and writes this, this, this song, if you will. In Psalm 51, he says, create in me a pure spirit. Other verses say, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a, a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take away your, your Holy Spirit from me. It goes on to say, restore to me the joy of my salvation. The joy that you gave to me when you saved me and you changed me, God. God, what's he saying? I see it. I see that attitude, God. I see that selfishness. I see that pride. I see that arrogance. I recognize it. And now, Holy Spirit, I'm giving you permission. Help change me. Change me on the inside. Put a new spirit within me. Galatians chapter five, verse 14, and then verse 25 says this. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. How I many know staying in step with the Holy Spirit means this ongoing process of allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in our lives? Let me just stay, how I many know it's a continual process? That I'm starting every day, God, what, show me today. Show me some things today. 
I mean, I just, this past week, I'll just be real transparent with you. I was meeting with a mentor slash counselor of mine uh, this past week, and we were just talking uh, about life and some different things, and it just kind of came up. I said, you know, something I want to bounce off you, uh, I'm big on honor and respect. Anybody else big on those things in your home? I'm just big on honor and respect, and, but I was telling him, I go, I, uh, I get, when, when, when my kids maybe show dishonor or disrespect to me or uh, my wife, I was telling him, I go, it just sends me to another level. Like, almost an un- un- unhealthy anger. You ever been there? Come on. Like, I don't, it's not just like, that's, we, shouldn't, we gotta address this, we need to deal with this. It's like, I'm biting my bottom lip. You know what I mean? I'm chewing on that thing and I'm, I'm frustrated and I was just going on this, this journey of, man, show me Holy Spirit. Why is it now? Now these are big characteristics, but why does it send me to like level 12 of infuriation when that happens? And I was just, man, going on this journey and the Holy Spirit kind of just showed me, man, it, when, when, when there's dishonor or disrespect, I see it as a devaluing. Like you're devaluing me and you're, you're dishonoring and you're disrespecting, but you're devaluing me. And it kind of comes back to this wrong thing in me that, that throughout my life and my experiences, whether it was incarceration or whether it was just performance driven growing up as a kid and feeling like I wasn't good enough, what I did determined who I was and the better I performed on a baseball field or, or a football field or a wrestling mat, the more my, my dad would tell me he loved me and, and it was all very performance kind of a thing and, and that's how my dad showed me value. And so I was just, and maybe that's, maybe you can't get there because that's more my revelation, but I'm telling you when we pray, Holy Spirit, show me, Holy Spirit, change me. Because here's, here, here's how it brought it up. The night before, my five-year-old wouldn't listen. Anybody else have a five-year-old like that? He's six now. Come on. Straight up six. Turned six on Thursday. He acts like he's five. <laughs> Immature. Immature six-year-old. Just saying. But he wouldn't listen. And, and my wife had asked him, you know, mom had asked him 27 times to brush his teeth or whatever. And I go, and I just kind of like grabbed him and I kind of, I kind of laid into him a little bit and I walked away going, that was pretty harsh. He's five. You know what I mean? Like discipline him. Can I just, am I being too real with you today? Discipline him. Obviously pull, you know, you need to be first time obedience. We need to listen to your mom on your mom. But it sent me, it sent me, I was infuriated at him. And I walked away going, man, you just snapped on your, your five-year-old. You didn't train him, you reacted, right? You didn't respond to the situation. And I felt like I'd actually did more damage, more harm than good. See, this is the kind of stuff that we, when we're, when we're praying, Holy Spirit, show me, show me, show me where some, there's some things in me that don't belong. This is an every day of our lives, whether we're putting the kids to bed at night or at work and that, that, that boss says something we don't like and we talk bad. God, point it out in me. Show me, Holy Spirit, where some, some things are off in me, some pride in my heart, some wrong things in me. I mean, it's a beautiful prayer because he will. And then what will you do when he shows you? Then we go, Holy Spirit, change me. I don't want to respond like that to my son. I want to love on him. I want to invest in him. Yes, honor and respect and obedience is important, but let me train him, not just go off on him. And then the, the third thing that I'm, I'm just flat out double dog daring you to pray today is number three, invite the Holy Spirit to fill me. Show me, change me, fill me. I want all that you have for me, God. Fill me with your spirit. Ephesians chapter five, verse 18. Paul said, don't get drunk on wine. Don't chase things that actually aren't gonna give you what you're looking for. Drunkenness in in, in the Bible is, a lot of times painting the picture of an out of control life, which leads to debauchery which means excessive indulgence in our senses, letting our cravings and our feelings and our wrong desires lead the way. But instead, instead of chasing that mirage, let's go after the real thing. 
Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Fill me. I'll close with this thought. One of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit is to put a Holy Spirit in me. It's a call to holiness, isn't it? It's a call to holiness. I'm just saying, I feel like God's just calling us here at Experience Church. Let's raise the standard of what we allow in our lives. Let's raise the standard of what God is calling us to. Let's set the bar. Yes, you can. Yes, he's got more. Yes, there's more in you. Yes, you can overcome that. Yes, you don't have to keep being seduced by that. He's just raising the standard. But I love how God does it because he doesn't just call us to it. He empowers us. Let me fill you with my spirit. Let me give you a motivation and a power to experience this beautiful life that I have for you. It's the Holy Spirit. And so we just pray. Show me, change me, fill me. The call to holiness. Would you pray with me today? Father, we love you in this place. We thank you for your spirit. Spirit, God. And we recognize today, we, we know that all of us have issues. All of us have things in us that, that don't belong. I shouldn't be there. We don't have to cover them up. God, thank you for the example of David in Psalm 139. He could, have, he could have hid those things. He could have covered them up. He could have brushed them under the rug, but yet he prays this bold, courageous prayer. Search me, oh God. Know my heart, my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in us that offends you, God. We echo that prayer today. Come on, right where you're at, but just you and God. Would you just pray, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond today? Holy Spirit, show me. Show me, what are some things in me that needs to change? Change me. Fill me. As we're praying together today, maybe you're here and you've never entered into a relationship with God. Maybe you walked with God at one point in time, but you've drifted away. You've been seduced by other things, been led astray by persuasion and false promises, been chasing mirages and going after things that will never satisfy your soul and your next step is just simply to say, God, I want to know you. Here's my heart. Here's my life. I just want to give you an opportunity to, to make the best decision I ever made. Whether you're joining us in person or maybe you're watching online right now. And if that's you, would you just lift your hand to heaven wherever you're at? You're in your car, you're at work, you're in a jail cell, you're in a chapel right here in the auditorium, wherever you're at today, would you just lift your hand and say, here I am, God. Better yet, here's my heart. Here's my heart, God. Would you pray this prayer with me right where you're at? Say, God, thank you for, for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. God, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. And I ask today that you would fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all he did today. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and uh, that's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run. And I faith that's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. Oh, they that wait, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount 
for joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.